0: With Sam Amick and Joe Vardon. It is a beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Uh-huh, uh-huh, to be uh-huh, able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The, the charges filed impermissible contact. Was it right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's very kind of awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention Deans anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant? The trial your one with the tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not Roger Starr. I, I, I tamper with the guys.
1: I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened.
0: Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast at The Athletic. I'm Sam Amick, NBA writer at The Athletic. My guy Joe Varden is on vacation, uh, but my God, do I have a hell of a substitute today. My friend, dear friend, uh, fellow NBA writer from USA Today, the man you see on the other side of the screen here, Jeffrey Zilgit. What's up, my guy? Hey,
1: Sam. Pleasure to be on. I'm no replacement for Joe, so let's... Substitute
0: uh, teacher, you know. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, the things are going to go off the rails then with the substitute
0: (laughs) (laughs) So listen, for listeners, of course, like always, we're going to have, and and the viewers, we're going to have the the right combo of NBA talk, life talk, all of the above. Uh, The pandemic continues, the weirdness of... You know, everything that comes with it continues. NBA media um, in the news this week, last Friday, the NBA and the NBPA formalized their agreement in terms of, you know, really coming out publicly and talking about 22 teams going to Orlando in mid-July. We will get into all of that. But the thing that I think is a lot more, um, at least for me, of interest and hopefully to the people listening is that Jeff is one of my dearest friends on the planet. And I worked with him for six years at USA Today and to give folks the backdrop who might be aware of your profile, Jeff, but to to fill in all the gaps. First of all, I uh, am definitely going to work very hard to make you feel old today. I'm excited (laughs) about this. Yo, you are coming up on your 25-year anniversary at USA Today. Am I accurate here?
1: You're accurate, Sam. We're, 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 we're almost a, about a month and a half away. Ooh-wee. Yeah, it makes me feel old, Sam. So look, it, it also in terms of making me feel old, so my uh, brother's uh, f- fiancé did one of these little social media memes the other day and, and said, you know, name a couple bands that your father influenced you to like. Sam, she said Nirvana and Radiohead. <laughs> I mean... i'm gonna feel
0: so young today this is amazing (laughs) i mean we have that we'll sit on our street as you know we've got a a cool street with you know neighbors who get along well and and music is a big part of it we'll sit in the driveway and the humbling part that you can relate to too is like you're going through apple music and all that stuff that to you is still fresh all that music is now certainly in the oldies channel you know and it it doesn't make any sense. You'd be proud, by the way, and I don't want to get too far afield. Uh, our youngest son, who you know, Landon, is a, a, a little rock star kind of aficionado. And and the other day, we're rocking Guns N' Roses, which has become one of his favorites. But Jeff, I got him out of here wanting, like, he wants me to buy him a, a GNR T-shirt. You know, so I'm at least honoring the, the greats that came before, but I'm not yeah. comfortable with them being being oldies at this point.
1: I'm not Sam. Look, I don't like it when I'm listening to XM serious Radio, and the the music I grew up with is on the uh, classic rock or deep tracks channel. Right, I mean, right. I, I think of that as you know the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and and Hendrix, not my era of music. But uh, that's the world we're in. And Sam, you can share the story and back your way family's way is i remember seeing guns N' roses open up for the cult and i think this is uh summer of 87 yeah. uh when that happened and uh no one knew or guns N' roses was just coming into its own at that point so
0: there's where we good are. stuff that's where we are um one more kind of context thing to share jeff and i had a podcast together for years and so this is uh, the NBA from A to Z reunion uh, that, that I'm excited to get into it. Brother, here's here's my thing. <clears throat> it, it's funny because right like a half an hour before we got to the pod, I told our producer, Andrew Schlecht, I said, no, this is one of those pods that, that I don't really have to prepare for. You know, Jeff and I are very close. We're just going to riff. And then to be honest, I was like, I don't know about that. Let me let me let me dig in a little bit and let me try to have a different conversation because we're talking off air all the time. Um, here's the that I want to talk to you about today that I think where you could offer some, some pretty meaningful insight, is that the pandemic has created this environment where everybody is faced with uncertainty. Um, it's you know stressful at times. It, it is concerning. You, you worry about yourself, your loved ones, your wife, Allison, and you, certainly, you know, like everybody else, trying to, to make it through. But there's this thread that never really hit me until today about your life and your experience And again, for folks who don't know, in the summer of 2015, you are are diagnosed with colon cancer, and and you've been fighting cancer for five years now. And thankfully, you look fantastic, continue to fight it and kick its ass, and and you're you're in a good place, and you had some good news to share a few months ago, and I think the timing's right here, where in April, your doctor had said that that he did not want to see you for six months. Um, And so... First of all, it's crazy to me how time flies. When I went back to get a timestamp on when you were diagnosed to see that it was 2015 and to paint the picture for people, Jeff and I at the time, and not just working together, we were the two NBA writers at USA Today. So once the NBA finals would come around, you're now basically road buddies. You know, it's it's the Cavs and the Warriors in the finals. Um, And you can remind me, I don't remember exactly when you found out, but I remember during those finals, you weren't feeling very good. Certain symptoms were popping up. You didn't quite understand why. And, And then I think on the back end is when you find out. But before you jump in, the thread there, obviously, is that when it comes to what everybody's going through right now, you've been going through it for five years. This is a different version of it. You've written on your personal blog about facing uncertainty and the anxiety that comes with that. Um, has that connecting point hit you throughout this experience, and, and how do you see that that kind of that idea?
1: It, it has in, in this vein, Sam, is that uh, you know I, I've had to take care of myself in different ways over the past five years, maybe than I was used to doing prior to 2015, and. and you know, just for context, Sam, the date is coming up. Uh, it, you know, my wife reminded me of it. Uh, she remembers the exact date. I didn't have it in mind. Uh, but you know, had a colonoscopy July 7th, uh, 2015. And it, it, you know, for, for those of you who have had a colonoscopy, you come out of it and, and you're in that little bit of a slumber and there's no good time to tell someone that, you know, they have a cancerous tumor. Um, and at the same token, telling someone while they're in that sort of haze and slumber of, you know, the the drugs they give you uh, to do the procedure is no good time. But the, the thing I've thought about, Sam, is throughout the, the pandemic is, you know, to take care – how you need to take care of yourself, uh, be conscious of not getting sick. You know, that that's one thing, you know, for a couple of years, Sam, and you know this well, that I was on immunotherapy drugs. Yeah and we we know a a lot about immunotherapy drugs and how they fight cancer, Uh, but there are other things that we don't know about immunotherapy drugs. Does it make my immune system stronger? Does it weaken it in in some regard? And and so you're sort of on the lookout to make sure that you're staying healthy. And I don't want to go as far as, you know, look, you and I travel a ton. You know, I don't want to say that, you know, I've become a germaphobe because I think there's so many negative connotations um, to that. But the idea of, you know, washing your hands, wiping down your uh, tray when you get on an airplane, uh, wiping down some of the knobs and remote controls that you touch right when you get into a hotel room uh, with with some Lysol wipes. Those are the kinds of things, Sam, that, you know, I have been trying to do. Uh, My wife makes sure that, uh, you know, I I have the spray, I have the gel, I can wipe down the uh, countertop.
0: Pre-pandemic, right? Yes, uh, absolutely. This is a lifestyle for you. Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. and and so now, was I washing my hands? Is religiously no. But look, you travel a ton, Sam. You know the you're carrying around your hand sanitizer all the time. You know, so I I just think the idea of preventing the spread of germs, uh, or you know, stopping the spread. Uh, right. By doing what you can, that, that's the one common theme, you, you know, that I've noticed uh, through this that, you know, that had been a little bit part of my life, you know, prior to this. But it takes on a whole new meaning uh, because also, Sam, look, we don't know the, the emerging information that's coming out is that, you know, even if you get COVID-19 and, and you emerge from it just fine and maybe you were even asymptomatic, they're still wondering about what the long-term repercussions are sure. uh, for your lungs and your heart. And, and so those are some of the things well, Rudy that really take taking-
0: bearer who obviously was the first NBA player known to have contracted. They just said the other day that he hasn't gotten his taste back. And, you know, and so I'm with you there. It's funny. The other parallel that hit me recently was the, the human experience. And this is like specifically as an NBA writer and, and what we've been doing for a living for so long of just not knowing when things work-wise are going to feel normal again, right? Like we don't know when or if they're going to feel normal again. And and so I go back to your personal site and I read something you wrote about the May 2017 East finals and how at that time it was obviously because of your cancer, you walked out of the TD, you know, bank North garden in Boston and essentially thought to yourself, you know, I don't know the next time I'm going to be walking out of an arena like this, that now certainly, these are apples to oranges when it comes to what you've been through. But but I was at the Golden One Center in Sacramento watching Kings Pelicans on the night of March 11th uh, that the NBA came to a halt. And I do remember walking out and, and having that thought, which is, when are we going to be here again? And now, to spin it forward, now you got the Orlando situation that I, I definitely want to get way in on. Call campus. I'm, I'm anti-bubble in terms of the terminology. It's not <laughs> right. a bubble. Uh, yeah. The Disney, Disney employees obviously can come and go. They're not being tested. Uh, I'm a stickler for, for kind of the details there. Um, but I did an interview recently, Jay-Z, about whether or not I was going to Orlando. Somebody asked me, they said, what's the longest that, uh, that you've ever been kind of sequestered uh, on a road trip like that? And the Rio Olympics... When you and I were shacked up in an apartment in Rio de Janeiro, which is being way too general. It's about 40 minutes outside of Rio, covering the Olympics. Jeff and I living in the same apartment for, uh, I guess it was, how long was the actual stretch? In yeah, three, party, so. th- th- three plus weeks, Sam. Yeah, yep. and that was the longest I've been through. And it came with its own challenges. It's a shuttle bus to and from Rio every day that was rocky and not very luxurious. Um, We had a, a, a chantilly kind of constructed apartment that didn't have a window in the kitchen and the smell of nearby sewage would roll through at the worst possible times. But point being that for me was the longest I've been away. And now, you know, those of us in the media are faced with the prospect of, if you want to go cover these playoffs, you disappear for at least six weeks. Some people may be doing the entire three months. Um, what do you what are you seeing there?
1: Well, look, Sam, I'm going to try to as a and you and I do this when we have our conversations, you know, where I'm on the back porch, you're in the backyard uh, and, and we're chatting is that the idea for me here is to keep some perspective um, about it. And I'm going to try to look at it this way. You know, will if I end up going, you know, will there be some hurdles and, and things that, you know, I'm completely not used to? Of course, Um, do I realize the uniqueness of our times in the situation and that, you know, fortunate that we are going to get some basketball back. And and I know we can have the discussion here, Sam, you know, about whether we should even be playing um, basketball and everything. But, you know, I'm not taking it for granted. Um, Realize that, you know, I'm going to be no matter if I end up going or not, you know, just a fortunate Uh, to be able to watch basketball, cover basketball, write about it, um, and and still do my job, but while understanding, you know, that there are going to be some difficulties um, of trying to do your job in that situation.
0: And I haven't even asked you this off air. You're kind of alluding there to the idea that that you still are possibly going to be part of the Orlando group, and and you represent uh, an entire faction of people who might be somewhat compromised health wise, and how does that factor in as you try to figure out what the, the right move is for you?
1: Conversations with my uh, doctor and my wife, Sam, those are the, the, the two main ones. If uh, the doctor go- gives the go ahead, um, you know, I, I certainly then, you know, have his permission to go and he doesn't see anything wrong with it. And, you know, to be clear, he has a lot of the information. Uh, about what's going to happen, and you know he, he's going to address it with his colleagues and see what happens, and, and then you know we have to make a family decision here. Sam, you, you know I, I've talked about it, and it, you know it, 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 and you know all this, and I'll just make this part brief. It's just not, you know, colon cancer. It had spread to my liver in 2016, spread to my liver and abdominal cavity in 2017, and then spread again to Uh, my liver in 2019, which I needed radiation, uh, you know, almost a year ago uh, to take care of that spot. So, you you know, it just hasn't been a one time thing five years ago, as you were alluding to. And so, you know, I I have come a long way. Uh, And and I'll I'll share a quick funny, you know, there was one night in Boston earlier this season, Dan Wojcicki of the L.A. Times, who we we both know, um, we needed to be in New York, Early the next morning for David Stern's memorial, the Celtics are playing the Lakers in Boston the night before. And Dan says to me, how about we rent a car and drive to New York from Boston after the game? And I said to Dan, it's wintertime in Boston and you don't know what the road conditions are going to be. And I told Dan, I've come too far in life you know to get in a car accident at you know three in the morning on some stretch of road (laughs) and and i sort of feel the same way about this is that i've come a long way and 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 and, and there's a risk here involved that you know if if people say it's not right for you me to go um or the risk is too high um you know then we'll we'll make that decision i've been smart throughout all this sam and you know I, i I don't know how you feel about this, but we heard Adam Silver say, you know, to bring a little basketball into this, is Adam and his public health officials and the people who helped craft their 113-page document, they believe it's going to be safer inside this controlled environment. And maybe that's a better word than the bubble, Sam, controlled environment, and they believe it's going to be safe uh, in there. And so those are the decisions I have to make, Sam. uh, You know, If we're going to sit here and parse it right now, I have a little bit of time to decide because I probably wouldn't be among the first wave of reporters who arrive in mid-ish, late July.
0: No, that's all well said, and health is first and foremost. I I generally think I agree with you about the the safety on the inside and to be honest with you my main concern once people are on the inside is because players are going to be tested daily there is from the experts i've spoken to and i know you and, and your now usa today uh, cohort mark medina have done similar reporting talking to the doctors where they say okay listen if you're testing once a day and i'm going to pick an arbitrary time let's say it's nine o'clock in the morning you test at nine in the morning at some point over the next few hours, you somehow pick up the virus from an employee. You know, one way or another, you get it. You then have a game that night. You don't know you have it yet. You you hit the basketball court. You're sweating. You're rubbing up against you know other players, and you're doing what you do on, on a court. And then you're not getting tested again until the next day. You know, you hear that term super spreader. You you can hit a lot of people within you know those 24 hours between tests. So that would be the concern. Um, but I generally think, I mean, for one, players and staff are going to be completely separate from media outside of the arena. We're not staying in the same place, uh, you know, not nearly as important, but also something that that may certainly made me think about you is how then you have the quality of life stuff on the end. You have had some incredible times on the road and just lifelong memories when it comes to kind of work hard, play hard type Idea, right? Like we go do our thing and then we have good dinners and we have a few drinks and you enjoy the company of people within this industry. And this is certainly not going to be that. And that's where I think everybody's trying to process, you know, what the daily life is going to look like.
1: And that's why I'm trying to keep a little perspective here, Sam, uh, on that front. Uh, You know, but your whole idea right there is that, you know, when you're at this is your job and when you're asked to go cover the NBA playoffs for a long period of time. And you're away from your family. That's difficult right there in and of itself. And for you and I, Sam, you know, from the national perspective, we're never getting any home games per, right. spe- per se. You, you know, uh, we're not, you know, and, and I'm not saying it's any easier for the, you know, the beat writer for a team because, you, you know, they have a large responsibility um, as well, but we're not getting any nights at home uh, when the series switches places. And and so to make that just a tad more palatable, is the relationships we've crafted uh, finding a place, uh, you know, to go have a meal, and okay. so you know th- those are some of the things that you know aren't going to be the same. Uh, but look, we've heard it all. Twenty twenty has not been, you know, it, it's it's however you want to describe the year. It's not even been
0: half over, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been nothing like we've ever had, and, and so we have to realize how different it's going to be. And, you know, to your point, Sam, I, Adam alluded to it in his press conference the other day, and I, I, I forgive who asked the question, but it was about Disney employees, and it, 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 by and large, you know, Disney employees aren't going to be tested, but it seemed to be that Adam was indicating – That a subset or a subgroup of employees who might have a closer contact with uh, players or other people on the, you know, controlled environment, that they might provide some testing for them. And that might alleviate some other concerns that people may have.
0: Right. You kind of alluded a minute ago, we haven't had a lot of hoop talk and we will get there eventually. I kind of of want to stay with. I think that, listen, if you don't find our jobs interesting, then that's fine. You can go to the next episode of the pod next week. I think that, you know, a lot of people can relate to this is our version of the the new adjusted lifestyle because of COVID-19. And I wonder for you, where is your head at when it comes to the daily experience? Because here's what's obviously different. I, I, I literally occasionally joke uh, with my wife that I, I'll, I'll pretend that nothing ever happened in the country and I'll say, hey, honey. Uh, I'm going to go to the King shoot around today at at 10. Uh, I got a game tonight Um, and she, she played a, this is basically, you know, you know, pretending COVID never showed up and she's like, Oh, okay. You got a game tonight. Like you're going to get a beer with somebody afterwards. Oh yeah. There's somebody in town. I'll be home around one. Like that was the normal thing. Now you, you, you work the phones. You honestly, I mean, seeing your face today is going to be the highlight of my day. Um, Talking to people over zoom you know you don't get out that much how are you doing just when it comes to the fact that we've never been we don't dig ditches for a living but there typically is a creative process of you know being out talking to other people gathering interesting material writing your piece feeling good about that piece getting up doing it all over again and this is something altogether different how hard has that been for you
1: Well, let's just get to this point, Sam, is whether it's a, you know, a road team is here in D.C. playing the Wizards, and I can go to their morning shoot-around, or if it's an off day, they're having practice, and it's the Celtics, and, you know, I can see, you know, Brad Stevens, some of their front office personnel that may make the road trip with that team, or you get to the arena, Sam, and one of the things that we both like doing is, all right, there's this formal availability for the coaches. The locker room is open, uh, depending on the team, for a little bit. But, you know, you talk about gathering material, walking courtside and, you know, talking to whether it's an assistant coach, an assistant GM, um, talking to another reporter, you know, that whole gathering of information process that you're talking about. You know, I, I do miss that, Sam, and, and you know, that, that's been difficult, uh, you know, from that work experience or, you know, the work that you, you're used to. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of all the people who it's been. I think uh, uh, one of your colleagues, Jay King, um, you know, who covers the Celtics, one of the times he was in town. He met me for coffee at this coffee shop across the uh, street from Verizon. And we met up with another front office executive from another team who was in town um, to scout. Right. And so, you know, those are the things, Sam, that, you know, helps you do your job. Right. Um, and, and it's also one of the enjoyable parts of the job. And, and I do miss that. And, you know, when you're talking about this work environment, we, we've been given the rules. Even that's not going to be, you know, allowed uh, okay. uh, once we're on the campus. And, and, I mean, and my so- first
0: question to the league was in terms of the hotel setup, you know, can we get a bite to eat with an executive? That's a big part of what we do. And the answer is no. I mean, it's just not happening. The media, if people aren't aware, the media is going to be in a hotel, I believe, with NBA staff. And then, you know, players and, and team employees will be in, in two other hotels, and it's going to be completely quartered off. And And that's where, you know, you and I, you already kind of highlighted all this, but we, we don't just rely on press conferences. You you work the room, you work the back tunnels and, and try to get unique perspective. Uh, man, on Friday, having a little bit of structure where I woke up in the morning and the league announced the 16 positive tests. Um, So you had formal news of some kind right away to react to, to process, to then make phone calls about. Then they announced that they're going to have the conference call with Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts, Chris Paul, the whole group, Andre Iguodala. A couple hours later, that was the first time since April 17th that Adam had done uh, a press conference like that. I just was ecstatic to have You know, I I sometimes tell my editor that Sergio Gonzalez that I'm like a golden retriever, like tell me where the duck is and I'll go get it. Like I just like the the kind of creatively. That's how my mind works sometimes. So give me the press conference. Give me the news. Let me kind of work around that. I had a clear directive for one day work wise. And it was such a relief that it also kind of made me realize how much, you know, having to create something out of nothing every other day is, is, is certainly, I think, wearing me out. It's funny,
1: Sam, because on Friday I was making a couple phone calls just to try to get a little bit of information on some other topics, what I might have to look forward to. And and someone from the NBA said, well, buddy, I hate to tell you this, but you're going to be working all day. And, you know, <laughs> then, you know, that's when we got the news about the, the, the 16 positive tests. Shortly right. thereafter, there was the formal announcement of the agreement Adams press conference, the schedule release. Right. And, you know, and, and so I did enjoy that aspect of it, Sam. And, and you know, I was texting with you earlier uh, before this uh, pod, and I was t- participating in a Toronto Raptors Zoom press conference. And so that's going to be part of our new life. Right. Um, as well, but it's part of their new life um, as well, and trying to dig up. So, I think the one thing, Sam, when we're talking about this whole big picture here, is the unique opportunity to maybe tell some different stories in a different way. And, you know, hopefully by the end of this, we'll all have been able um, to do that uh, through, you know, look, 2020 has been less than ideal conditions, and, you know, we just got to come to terms with, you know, that everything is less than ideal. And yet, you know, you and I are both tasked with the job of trying to provide, you know, information and entertaining coverage to people who want to watch NBA games.
0: Yeah. I, I never anticipated a day where I, part of my day was jumping on a player. I don't even know if I told you the story and I just for fun, I'm going to share it on the pot here uh, where I j- tried to attempted to jump on the, the player uh, conference call a couple weeks ago and got the zoom link and, Say, hey, I'm a little bored. Let me give it a shot. And like an idiot, didn't think through the idea that your name's going to pop up on the Zoom call? <laughs> yeah, Probably, you know. And I'm not comfortable ethically with coming up with an alias or something like that. I was mainly just being, for lack of a better way of putting it, a, a smartass because somebody gave me a link. And I click on it, and sure enough, it says the host of the – and this is obviously, I guess, three Fridays ago, 80-plus players getting on the call to talk about some of their concerns about Orlando. And I hop on the call – And it says that this meeting is being hosted by uh, Kai B. Irving. It was a nickname, I guess. And then about five seconds later, it said, Kai B. Irving has removed you from this room. (laughs) (laughs) So I I, I took my L and and went, you know, on with my day. But that's, you know, this is surreal virtual reality. Let's talk LeBron and let's talk. uh, You kind of mentioned the no home court thing have any intel here and hopefully you do if not we can just riff but like the the uh, the stuff that was reported a while back Dave McMenamin of ESPN had written about the lost home court trying to get all these quirky edges back but we'll I guess do that one first and then we'll talk LeBron but what do you think there
1: uh no update uh that I have Sam but you, you know I don't know if this is even possible you know when you heard Adam Silver talk about enhancements for watching these games And he mentioned something about the idea of being able to, you know, cheer from your phone and and hit some buttons. Could they weigh that, Sam, so that, you you know, if by chance the Lakers were the so-called home team, that 70 percent of the noise would be, you know, filtered through the Lakers perspective and 30 percent. From the roads team's perspective, I'm just trying to come up with a you know a, another alternative that you know may you know give some kind of feel um, for a home court advantage. But the idea of courts, Sam, I just don't know if that's realistic given that schedule, playing that many games a day in that many arenas. And I do look forward to that, Sam. It's going to you know at the start of this, it's going to be like NCAA tournament hoops. Oh, yeah. Day, first and second round or first and second day games day after day after day, you know, six games a day. That's going to be a ton of fun right there. But even the playoffs, Sam, where you're, you're going to be getting you're going to have the availability to go to a lot of playoff games uh, if you're on the, uh, you know, controlled environment.
0: Right. Right. Um, you've been covering LeBron for a long time uh, since the very beginning. Do you and this I'm, I'm testing your memory. Do you remember the first time you saw him play?
1: Whew, Sam, the very first time, it it wouldn't have been his rookie year, Sam, because I wasn't covering the NBA full-time at that point. I want to say that it was one of those, and this was, I was a general assignment reporter, and and I don't know the year, but it was one of the, uh, those Wizards Cavaliers series in in sort of the mid-2000s. Yeah. Uh, Is that about right? 2005, 2006? Yeah. Um, right around that era, Sam, uh, was the first time I remember uh, seeing him in person for the Cavaliers.
0: Well, and since then, you know, you have your role as a longtime national writer at USA Today and, and obviously East Coast based living in the D.C. area. Um, you've established one of the better rapport's of any national NBA writer with LeBron. And you've told this story for years and years and years. And, and I, to tie it into everything we talked about earlier You know, during your personal battle these past five years, you know, there's been several times when he was pretty classy when it came to checking in on you and and even tweeting things publicly, supporting your fight against cancer. And so your LeBron purview, I think, is one of a kind. Um, This for him, and this is, quote unquote, just sports, but this is his livelihood. This is his legacy, all of those things. And so here's a guy who's a three time champion, obviously an all time great and And somebody who, at this age, was playing incredible basketball in his seventeenth yeah. season. It all comes to a halt because uh, of, of everything that's taken place. And you know that he was on the edge of his seat this entire time, hoping that the the whole entire season wouldn't be lost. Where do you think his head might be right now? and and you know, where do you think these next couple of months potentially could fit uh, could fit into his story?
1: Uh, look, it, it is going to be, and I think Adam Silver said this. There are going to be some great personal sacrifices here, uh, in, in in the basketball perspective and family perspective. We get that. Um, you know, I haven't surveyed all 450 NBA players, but I don't know if there is one player who is more excited to at least have a chance to finish the season than LeBron. And while he may scoff at the idea of a window closing or anything like that, which he has scoffed at that idea before. We just have to be realistic, Sam, about his years in the NBA, his age, and looking at how many more realistic chances he has. Um, I still expect him to be really, really good next season based on the way he was playing. But he was looking at this as you know a, a real chance to win a championship, and it still exists. And you mentioned the way he was playing this year. Anthony Davis was starting to play or was playing some great basketball As well, if you start to look at his numbers, you know, maybe the second half of the season or, you know, from February on or January on. Um, And so that Lakers team was, you know, playing exceptionally well. He wants to finish the Sam. I think he looks at it as, you know, an opportunity. What's he always say at these press conferences, Sam? He just wants the opportunity to compete for the championship and he's going to get that. And, you know, let the chips fall where they may or whatever he likes to say in that situation. But he is, you know, he is at least going to get that opportunity to get to the finals. I don't know if they make it there, uh, but he's one guy who definitely wanted this season um, to continue. Um, and both of us had done a little reporting on it. Sam, you know, uh, a few or a couple of weeks ago, uh, but, you know, he understood the varying viewpoints from other players in the league who weren't sure about playing, LeBron wanted to play. And when it comes to some of these larger issues that we've been writing about and talking about and seeing, when it comes to social justice and, and you know racial reform, that kind of thing, is that LeBron and you, you had reported this, and then I had some secondary reporting. But the idea that he feels he's able to do those things, you know, while still playing. And that he's able to deliver the message that way. And so if he's able to combine those two things, you know, he he wanted to play just as much as anyone in the league. But I do think there are some other guys as well, you know, who definitely think that there's a championship at stake that they can, you know, really go for. And that, you know, Potentially includes players on the Clippers, the Milwaukee Bucks, Toronto Raptors, and I'm also not going to discount, you you know, the way, you know, Houston thinks it, uh, you know, can emerge um, from this as well, but it, it stands that LeBron feels that this is a really good chance for him to win a championship for all the things we're talking about right here.
0: It's crazy how long ago this feels, but remember early on this season when in our media circles, we would openly talk about the, uh, the likelihood of having what would be a first time ever all L.A. West Finals when it was, <laughs> it was Lakers Clippers. Man, I was dreaming about bringing the family down. I mean, we probably would have bit the bullet and bought a Disneyland season pass again just to give them somewhere to go during the day. Little did I know that Disney might be involved but on the other side of the country and the family would not be welcome and uh it's it's just mind-blowing stuff I,
1: I, Sam I know I'm gonna probably irritate some people in Central Florida <laughs> however we were looking at sorry
0: Josh Robbins
1: we were looking at a conference finals for two straight weeks in Los Angeles, and we know where we like to stay in those environments. And, you know, there's a coffee shop in Manhattan Beach where we would be doing some working from and the water in sight of where we could work. And instead, Sam, <laughs> central Florida in a controlled environment in my hotel room.
0: Listen, I'm straight with central Florida, but then this is, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's going to be a saliva test or a swab up the nose. You know, this is, this is being a lab rat for, for a while. So it's different. Uh, it's a day by day existence. Again, we've chronicled that, you know, that very well. If we end up being there, there's obviously nobody I'd rather hang with inside the campus than yourself. One of my favorite parts about you in general is you you do have balance to the way you have decided to live this life. You love to be a fly fisherman. You love music. You love food. And even the the foodie part, and I haven't even asked you this off air, uh, how does a guy who is so typically used to experimenting at restaurants and, and having a good time on that front, you know, I mean, you guys doing turkey sandwiches for dinner every night? You know, what's what's the Jeff Zilgit version of quarantine life, and and how are you holding up with when it comes to all the things you enjoy?
1: Well, you caught me on a a good day to share this one, Sam. We made a cilantro pesto pizza last night with some uh, shrimp, had a few different cheeses um, on it, uh, pepper jack, Monterey jack, uh, uh, feta, some uh, yellow pepper, red onion. Uh, It's a different kind of pizza, but it's a big hit um, in the house. So I've been trying to, look, I'm never going to, you know, manufacture things in house although look my, my wife does love uh when I'm in the kitchen uh you know cooking we've had grilled scallops uh we, we've you know been able to take advantage of things like that and then the other part of it Sam I, early on is you mentioned the fly fishing part of it and and the, and I'll address the concert bit too just briefly but I've been able to find some mountain streams a couple hours from my house where I can go catch native brook trout, uh, in about a socially distant setting as you can get. You know, uh, you've probably seen some pictures. Um, you know, take, right when you enter the, the forest, you know, you're hiking, you're entering the backcountry. Um, you, you know, you might see some other hikers, but once you step foot in a stream, Sam, and you, you know, you drop off a little bit from the trail, you're hardly ever seen another person for the rest of the day so i've been able to do that um i will say this the concert part and and all within the proper perspective of understanding what's going on out there i have missed that you you know people do a zoom concert or a youtube of concert and trying to participate in that but you know also sam you know think of all the different levels of the economy you know a lot of the bands i like and you know this that you know they're not uh stadium performers or arena performers you know these are small venue performers and their livelihood is at stake but then you think about you know someone who runs the soundboard, or you know all these others just like in the nba sam from someone who's working the concession stand um, all these different levels Um, you know, of jobs that are not happening uh, right now because of music um, not being able to take place. Uh, You know, I know lots of musicians who can't afford it, you know, are donating uh, a lot of proceeds to, you know, people who, you know, who work behind the scenes. Uh, But that's been difficult, Sam. I had tickets to, you know, this summer, you know, to to see Dead and Company a couple different times. And, you know, that, that, you know, the, the enjoyment of pulling into a parking lot and seeing people who, you know, appreciate the same music and they're all, you know, tailgating a little bit, you, you know, that has is, is been difficult. Uh, and, you know, I, I certainly miss all that aspect. But look, I, I have been able to get out and fish and, and hike and, uh, you know, enjoy cooking at the house.
0: Yeah, I think it does count as social distancing if you distance yourself from society. I think that's (laughs) what you have. Listen, man, this has been a lot of fun. We've talked about having you on for a long time. Uh, We'll probably be talking for another hour once we get off the call here. But uh, you look fantastic. It's so great to see you so healthy after all this brother. And, uh, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on.
1: No, th- thanks Sam for having me. And you're right. Th- this conversation will continue, uh, after we uh, stop recording. So
0: all right, brother, you're good. Right. Thanks. Take Jesse. care, Sam.